This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Jackets Debrief. Uh, I'm excited for this week's show, even though there's not a whole lot going on in the hockey world, at least as far as the Blue Jackets are concerned, because they're just kind of in a wait-and-see mode when it comes to the NHL starting up. Uh, we've got some great shows we're going to keep going here for you. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to my guest tonight. But before we, we get to her, we're going to have a, a couple of things we're going to discuss here. First, um, what has quickly become one of my favorite parts of the show, because this is an excuse for me to drink, is uh, our beer of the week. This one I have been getting excited for. It is BrewDog's Jet Black Heart Nitro. Look at this thing. This thing is nuts. So it's a 13-ounce can. The way they describe it is it is decadent to the core and loaded with heaps of oatmeal. This beer delivers a red carpet of silky opulence. I don't even know what that means. Overflowing with darts of bitter cacao, roasted coffee, and dark berry fruit. It plunges you into the deep, dark abyss. Beer to blacken your soul. I don't know if this is good. I'm a Browns fan, so I had to watch that today, so my soul's already a bit blackened. It, it sounds like it wants to kill me. All right, let's see how this thing looks. I want to get it. All right, yep. Definitely getting the nitrous out of that. That's awesome. For those of you who aren't aware, and even though I'm not necessarily a beer connoisseur, the idea of nitro is they've really kind of super carbonated this thing. Um, if you're at a bar, the quickest beer to see this with is normally when they pour a Guinness. It's kind of got this thickness, thickness to it. Along with the way it's almost like settling there. That's kind of that uh, one of those one of those traits of a nitro. Uh, you tend to let it settle a little bit and you see how it's Oh, it's such a pretty beer. This will be good. At least I'm, I'm I'm hoping it's good. Got a nice little amount of head. Again, it's a good nitro. That's what we're looking for here. So let's see how this goes. Like all I got was head right off the bat there. But oh, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, when they describe it as silky, they're not wrong. That drink's easy. It's got a little bitterness to it. You can definitely get that coffee in the aftertaste. Mm. I'm not getting the roasted berry they're talking about, the dark berry fruits. I'm not getting that. Maybe that'll come later in the drink. Some beers are like that. They come to you a little stronger later in that. So as the show goes on, if that picks in, I will uh, definitely let you know. Again, that's a brew dog. So brew dog, you can get in Columbus, get all over the place. They've got their own special stand at Nationwide Arena. So very nice there. Um, first story I wanted to discuss tonight uh, is a player that has been uh, getting getting you know he he was a big deal at the draft because we've got that now uh, now legendary moment from the draft where the Blue Jackets um, drafted Igor Chinikov and. None of the none of the analysts knew who he was. Uh, there was the wonderful moment of uh, Brian Burke looking over at uh, and just saying he's a Russian winger. And when asked if he was a right or left winger, he said he can play both. So that tells you what's going on. Igor Chinikov, though, is tearing it up in the KHL right now. He's essentially been named Rookie of the Month for the second consecutive month. He's doing really well. Um, 
same with Kirill Morchenko right now. Marchenko's doing real well in, in at Scott St. Petersburg. But this this Igor Chinnikov, there there look around on Twitter, uh, just search his name, guys. Uh, the the highlights this guy's putting in almost every game he plays in the KHL at this point it is pretty cool. Um, he's also in that wonderful space where he's a young player, uh, so he's kind of playing against men. He's one of those guys where he's just, I think he's just 18, so he's playing against kind of older guys who are used to playing in this different league. And to be putting up the numbers like he is is pretty impressive because from what I've noticed in different things, KHL players tend to not put up those same kinds of numbers that um, they tend to not put up numbers like in pure points the same way that say a uh, say that a, uh, you know, you do in the NHL. Uh, I mean, the idea of a point of game in, in the KHL is not, not overly easy, but, but they're doing really well there. Now, another story I wanted to address uh, because I saw it, it Portsline wrote an article about it in the athletic. And while it was a good article, it really felt like one of those ones he was putting in just to kind of, he had to write about something. And it is a story that's important to CBJ fans. And it's that we still have this, we still have this, this looming thing of no signing of PLD or Gavrikov. And I know that in the next week or so, um, Don Lashusian of the athletic is going to be putting out his rankings as far as uh, fans confidence in their GMs. And I feel like this is the one area where blue jackets fans are starting to lose a little confidence in the Armo Kekalainen and it is this signing of the RFAs. Um, because it became a big deal that apparently the exact deal that, uh, Josh Anderson signed in Montreal. He was willing to sign a deal almost just exactly like that in Columbus, except he wanted eight years instead of instead of the seven because he could have been offered eight since this was the team he came from. Now, this is my take on it right now. Uh, something Portsland said in the article, I think there's some truth to it is, if a deal's signed before any time is missed, there'll be no hard feelings. There won't. I don't think there'll be any issues there, and I would agree with that. The Josh Anderson deal, the reason I think the Blue Jacks didn't want to sign that deal is, I don't think they wanted to commit eight years to Anderson. Uh, from what I understand, Anderson's kind of final offers were either an eight-year deal or a one-year deal. He either wanted to be able to go to unrestricted free agency and just do what he wanted to do, or he wanted long-term security. And I think the Blue Jackets wanted something in the middle. It wouldn't shock me if it came down to the Blue Jackets had wanted anything. It's like a three- to four-year deal or something like that. And that's why the move happened. But I, I'm I'm with a lot of Blue Jacks fans and that we got to sit around and say, hey, do we have, are we concerned about PLD and are we concerned about Gavrikov? Those deals will get done, but the concern is what will they look like? Um, will the players have an issue with management afterwards? I mean, we've seen this now, this story play a couple of times where, uh, you know, kind of first one I remember really well was Ryan Johansson had the contentious deal. And then, yeah, he finally signed a deal, and then he was traded. Josh Anderson had a contentious negotiation, signed it, and then before he signed his next one, he was traded. Uh, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, I mean, the idea of maybe tr- uh, trading Gavrikov isn't great because he's, he looks to be a really good defenseman at a young age, but, I mean, long-term, if that happens, it happens. I mean, trading your you know second-pair defenseman isn't the end of the world. The idea of that happening with PLD is that one is concerning. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not trying to cause a lot of panic or scare or whatnot. I'm just saying that this is something where this management team now has to kind of re-earn my trust on things like the draft, on things like player development. A lot of that stuff, I'm good. Um, Even free agency, because free agency tends to just be something that makes the people who sign big deals look like fools. 
I, I'm I'm eh, but they've they've got to prove that they can keep the top guys here, that they aren't always reliant on just trading for a new body or or doing you know drafting a new player. Um, that's that's really what what I think they've got to prove at this point. So. That that's where I stand with that whole signing. Uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I do this show, and by the time you're listening to it, Monday, Tuesday, or whenever you happen to listen to podcasts, the deal signed, and I sound silly, which would be beautiful. But that's where we stand. All right, so we're going to jump to the uh, a word from our our friends with the Hockey Podcast Network, and then we'll be back uh, with our guest here, guys. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host, Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. A team in the playoffs or in the play-in round won the first overall pick, and I wanted to throw my phone clear across this plane. <laughs> Nope, nope, it, he yeah. will. Yeah, see, there's he your hot will. take, got it. Where That's is? my hot take. He will be a Hockey Hall of Famer, if not possibly first ballot Hall of Famer. That was just awful officiating, and who who was this this scrub that was officiating? Let me let me look it up real quick. Mark Rashi, <laughs> something like that? Oh, oh, Recky. I just, I just wanted to see him booming it from blue line to blue line, being the lines. That's all I wanted to see. Very few general managers have those type of players, let alone three players that you can easily say, if I don't trade them, my team will be better. So all I have to do is not make a move. And I get that's a foreign concept for Jim Rutherford, but you just don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. You don't do that. (laughs) New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Pens. My guest today is a beat writer for the Cleveland Monsters for TheFinBin.net and host of the brand new show, Monsters Hockey OT, a podcast you can listen to and enjoy. I enjoyed the first episode. Welcome to the show, Dina Weinheimer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, first thing, because I feel kind of nervous about this, um, it is Dina, right? Or am I? Dina, yes. Okay. All right. I, I, I listened to the show. I always <laughs> When I first read it, I was like, is it Deanna? What am I looking at there? But Dina, all right. Thank you. All right. So first of all, congrats on the new show. Uh, Listen to the first episode. It it was good. Uh, Again, everybody wants to watch it, go out and and watch it on YouTube. Um, So question I have, because I've been doing a show here about the Blue Jackets for a while now. And I, something I, I, I rely on a lot are a lot of the advanced stat sites, natural stat trick and, and uh, evolving hockey and all of that. That stuff doesn't really exist for the AHL. So, I mean, where, you know, what, what kind of challenges do you have in covering a team where there's just not as much other resources out there, maybe, you know, easily available to you? Well, a lot of it is the eye test, talking to the coaches, um, doing what you can with the little stats that are available, and also talking to the the, the other beat writers. I mean, at least the ones in Cleveland, they are so excited and willing to share information with you because, I mean, for those that know me, I mean, I, or those that don't, I live in Columbus. I can't get to Cleveland for every single game. That would be impossible. So I talk a lot, you know, with 
with everybody, just trying to get whatever information I can, because it is so hard because they don't have the manpower. They don't have the financial backing to hire enough people to track every little stat. So it's, it's really difficult, but we make do. (laughs) Yeah. I, I just, I, I feel it would be tricky sometimes to do that, especially with the AHL. I mean, it's a league where, mm-hmm. I mean, as an NHL fan, it's easy to sit down. You can watch a game every night. You can always see the top ones. The AHL is just a harder league to to kind of keep your eyes on. That's for sure. Uh, so what, I mean, what got you into being into covering hockey? Is it, is it something where this is a, a side gig for you? Is this something that, that you push on as your main thing? What's your, how, how's your setup there? Well, this is just a side thing for me right now with the hopes of it maybe being a full-time thing in the future. I mean, you kind of have to start from the bottom and kind of work your way up. But yeah, it's I have my own full-time job outside of this, but then, you know, this is kind of my side thing, but it's my passion project for sure. Yeah, I definitely know that feeling having done a show for years here and and I'll say it's minimal returns I've ever gotten on anything from it, but it's it's something I love to do here. Now, as as someone who watches both the Blue Jackets and, and the Monsters, would you say you've gotten a better uh, appreciation for for how things go between you know watching both teams or or what's that that perspective like as someone who is so heavily seeing the Monsters but also watches the Jackets? Yeah, um, I was a season ticket holder with my husband for I think it was five seasons before I got the gig to cover the the monsters and this season in particular has given me a whole well this past season has given me a whole new appreciation for not only the players and what they go through to try to get to the nhl level but also the the coaching staff there were times where i got to talk uh with monsters head coach mike eaves and his relationship with john tortorella and how they tried to create a nice cohesive game system that way it would be a seamless play uh, or basically seamless transition for the players. And we saw that in action this past season, whenever you had guys like Stefan Mateau, uh, Nathan Gerby, you know, all of them getting moved from the AHL up to the NHL and they slotted in like they had been there the entire season. Yeah, it's I can see that as part of it, because it's always something you hear about in these organizations. How much is there really a cohesiveness between them and and all of that? So it's good to hear about that with the uh, with the monsters there. Now, when it comes to covering the monsters, is it the kind of, you know, when you do it, is are you looking at, okay, am I covering, you know, wins and losses? Am I covering seeing players develop? What? You know, am I trying to to cater more towards you know Cleveland fans who, for them, it's a hometown team, or, or what's your your perspective, your philosophy on how you're you're looking at all of that? Well, it's kind of a mix of everything. Um, I whenever I get to go to the games up in Cleveland, or if I get to watch the game live on AHL TV, I live tweet. So those. I try to gear it a little bit towards the Cleveland fan, but also keeping in mind that opposing fans are going to be, you know, viewing this too. So it's, so I take that viewpoint with my tweeting, with my stories. It's more of just relaying the game. What happened? 
but then also watching for the development piece for feature stories. So it's a little bit of, of everything. So lots of note taking and uh, just trying to keep it all straight in my head, which is a bit of a challenge some days. <laughs> that I can definitely understand. So getting more to, to current events on things. I know that recently we've gotten some talk out of the AHL commissioner about ideas on what you know the next season might look like or anything like that. What have you heard or what do you think or we're looking at as far as next season, like a time frame? How are they going to even try and pull it off? Or, or what do you think would be a smart idea on that? Well, uh, the last official word that we had from the AHL, um, from Scott Housen, who is now the president and CEO of the league, is they are aiming for a February 5th, 2021 start date. Um, of course, they're still working with all of the member clubs, um, working with the local governments um, to try to figure out what can they do. Because as you can imagine, the AHL is a very fan-driven league. They need people in the seats. They need the gate figures. They need people buying concessions. Most teams in that league cannot survive without it. Not every team has the financial benefit that the Monsters have being owned by the same person that owns the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, right now, Housen is saying pretty much everything is on the table. Uh, they're even looking at potentially moving teams like Stockton, who's it? Stockton, Bakersfield, and Utica, um, up to Canada because their, their NHL partners are all Canadian. So the way they don't have to deal with the whole border thing. So we may be looking at a Canadian division up there. I mean, it's all a very fluid situation, but right now they're looking at at February 5th. So we'll see if that holds and what happens from there. Yeah, I, I heard an idea and I forget which show or which where I read this, but the, the idea was to throw out there something where you would almost have the AHL teams just travel with the NHL teams and just play games, but you wouldn't have... It would essentially all be to the parent club benefit because... You wouldn't have fans. You wouldn't have any of that. I mean, the way you're making it sound, obviously, that wouldn't be good for the the local organization. It'd be more about just the development there. Is the we've heard the NHL talk about you know how we start may not be how we end as far as fans and seats. Are, I'm, I mean, are we thinking that's probably the same way for the AHL? They're just not. They're having to weigh the options as they go through all of it. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a, a pretty good assumption. I mean, they still have to look at government regulations, um, and those could change between now and even next week, as we see, especially like in Ohio, COVID cases are surging. We don't know what the governments are going to do. Um, and who knows, you may even see kind of a, uh, almost a mirror of what the Major League Baseball did with more regional schedules. I mean, I, I don't know how they would work it out with traveling with parent teams, because you got teams you know, like Syracuse, New, New York, their parent teams all the way down in Florida. How's that going to work? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it'd make for some chaos, that's for sure. Now, mm -hmm. as far as on the ice, um, Columbus is hoping to be a lot healthier this year than they were last year. So are there any players that now you've got to see them play in Columbus? You're like, oh, now I'm looking forward to seeing them back in, in maybe Cleveland for a season to to see if they take that next step or that they're, you know, maybe can help Cleveland win some more games. Any, 
any players who might have gotten that NHL experience that'll that'll benefit the monsters? Um, first of all, I would like to say that Cleveland's hoping the same as far as the injury front. They had some some massive issues with that too. Um, but the players I'd be most excited to see would be Kevin Stenland. Um, he has had some issues with with consistency in the past. I mean, he is an amazing skater. He is such a smart guy when it comes to his his puck play. I mean, his mindset is amazing. So it'll be nice to see him back. Um, and then maybe, I, although I'm sure he's probably going to stay with the Jackets, but if, if Eric Robinson comes back, I would be, I mean, that would be a huge addition for for the Cleveland Monsters. I mean, he is so fast. He he can score. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe some extended time with uh, Kenny McCudden up in Columbus has really helped him kind of bring his hands up to the speed of his feet and his mind. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how play- players kind of have to develop that, the the thinking process along with just the fact that they can move so quickly. Right. Yeah. Well, Dina, if something we've been uh, discussing here is just the whole, um, you know, wanting to make this a, a regular thing here. So I look forward to talking with you again soon as we, you know, see navigate get to getting the next season and anything else there. Um, if people want to keep up with you and, and read and hear you, where where should they check you out? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sin Bin Monsters. And then you can check out all of my written material material at thesinbin.net. And you can find my podcast, Monsters Hockey TV, or Monsters Hockey OT, I'm sorry, on the Sin Bin app and also on the Sin Bin channel on YouTube. Well, thank you very much. It's been great talking with you. Look, look forward to doing it again. All right. Thanks so much, Frank. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is... We just finished a really exciting season of hockey here in Columbus, and the future is bright with all these awesome young players, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Alexander Texier, Liam Foody, Elvis Merce-Lincolns, but now you've got a new problem. How do you get jerseys for these guys? Well, we've got you hooked up. CoolHockey.com slash THPN. And since CoolHockey.com doesn't outsource jerseys for customization like competitors, they're able to offer the best deals, best quality, and pricing and time on your delivery. So remember, when you need a new jersey, CoolHockey.com slash THPN for our exclusive discount there. Remember to use the discount code THPN, CoolHockey.com slash THPN. All right, that was a uh, great there from uh, Deanna and I, or Dina, and I look forward to talking with her again. Again, the idea here is I know on this show for a long time we just haven't really talked about the monsters much, and uh, she's awesome. She's a great writer for the Sandman, and I just looked, you know, I look forward to talking with her more. For, so especially as games start happening, so we can, you know, really get a sense of what's going on in Cleveland at the same time. Especially if we don't have to call these guys up constantly, so we can keep knowing them. So if you do have to call someone up, hopefully we've talked about them already on the show. Um, another story I want to talk about tonight, the NHL is discussing, you know, obviously they're trying to figure out how to make next season work and, and the target that's been talked about was January 1st. Now when the AHL, as we just discussed, uh, announced this February, uh, start date, right at the beginning of February, 
there's a lot of speculation that the NHL may just try it may match up that maybe they're make putting this data out there as almost a trial balloon for what uh, for what the NHL might do and and to kind of throw that out there uh, to try and figure things out and uh, it, it's an inter- it's an idea that I think has some merit to it I've said for a while now that if the NHL is playing hockey if we're playing hockey by Valentine's Day I'll be happy um, that's my expectation right now that and not saying my expectation is we will be playing it by, by Valentine's Day. My expectation is that if that's happening, I'll be pleased. If they come out in the beginning of February and say March 1st, okay, I can roll with that. Start getting much past March and you start wondering about how they're going to make everything work and what's going to happen. Well, in a piece on ESPN, uh, Emily Kaplan talked with the uh, with Bill Daly, uh, Deputy Commissioner for the NHL. And... One thing he's shot down, which I've kind of thought for a while is something that would have to happen. And maybe he's just doing it because he wants to keep the league's options open. But there's been this talk that the NHL would have to try and finish their season before the Olympics. And the reason for that is once the Olympics start, NBC goes wall to wall with the Olympics. With the Summer Olympics, the delayed games that were supposed to happen this summer, um, but are now going to happen next year. At least that's the plan. But the idea being that the NHL would have to get their season done by then or take like a two-week break or just not be on their national TV partner for the most important part of their season, for the, the end of their season or the playoffs. Now, there's a couple ways to look at this. One might be that they are planning. I almost expect if this is what the NHL is saying, if they're like, you know what, we're going to have an 82-game season. Even if we have to push past July, we're going to have an 82-game season. My guess is they have got two plans. Plan one is going to be essentially taking a break during the Olympics, taking two weeks and just breaking. Now, if there's a break between the regular season and the playoffs, of course, I can't imagine the playoffs that late, but say it's between the divisional round and the conference final round. Maybe. I don't know. That just that strikes me as making some kind of sense unless the unless NBC is willing to carve out specific days for them to have games on a major net, which I just can't, I, I can't wrap my mind around with how much money the N, uh, NHL or NBC pays to the Olympics. Option two is the NHL may be saying, you know what? We think we'll be able to pull this off, but we don't think they're going to be able to do the Olympics next year. That's a real possibility. That is a very real possibility that next year's Olympics just don't happen the way we think they will. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I mean, I would hate to see them delayed again because you just kind of want them to happen, but it wouldn't shock me to see them say, you know what? We got to push back again. And maybe the NHL is thinking that's what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, we have some cool ideas coming around now on what's going to happen with the uh, the potential for some weird... Uh, some weird divisions. And this is from First Ohio Battery. You're seeing it's more of a, a summary of what everybody's done so far. Proposal one TSN has got this idea of you have a Canadian division, but he kind of used this idea of to try and minimize travel. He made a, a map based on the idea that the remaining American teams would be in divisions that are no more than an hour and six minutes away by flight. In this idea, Columbus would be in a division with. Buffalo, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. 
That would be fun. Uh, <laughs> that would be just kind of weird. I love these ideas of having like last season, the bubble was an interesting way to end the season. And if the season's not going to be quite regular anyway, the idea of having something different, just having fun with it, I'm kind of all behind. So I would be cool with that one. Um, the idea from the the New Yorker here, it's kind of a different idea where they almost split it up into three conferences. In this, it would be Columbus, Boston, Buffalo, Detroit, New Jersey, New York, New York, and Pittsburgh. Which would be interesting. Uh, a different one there. I mean, a lot of the same teams we normally see, but that Detroit, Buffalo, Boston would be an interesting ad there. Um, and the last one, which was done by The Athletic, essentially puts Columbus back into their old kind of central a little bit because they'd go back to playing uh, Detroit and Nashville and Chicago. But then we'd also get Carolina, Florida, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay. I, I'm going to say this right now. If we can avoid being in the same division as St. Louis and Tampa Bay, I would I would prefer that. That would be where I would want to be because that that's going to be hard. That would be some hard teams to play against there. That's for sure. Now, I wanted to give you an update here on the beer because I said this is one that settles a little bit. You can see now it's a much darker color. Um, that aftertaste definitely still has that coffee aftertaste. I'm still not getting much of the berries they're talking about. Maybe I am just not sophisticated enough. Mm, mm, it smells nice. It, it smells almost nutty in a way. Yeah, I'm not getting a whole lot of berry in there, but it's 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 a good beer. It's a really good beer. I would highly recommend it to anyone out there because it's a... A very good, very good beer there. And then last story for this week. Um, so I know that, la- that this past week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, Hulu dropped Fox Sports. Fox Sports Ohio, which made a lot of people angry because now it's like, hey, where am I going to watch my jackets? And I saw a theory thrown out there that I think has a lot of validity to it, which is that Hulu and YouTube TV have kind of said, you know what? These are expensive channels. There's not going to be any baseball, hockey, or basketball on for the foreseeable future for at least two months. So why are we paying for these? And I think they're taking this as an opportunity to save a little money, maybe increase a bargaining position, something like that. But there's something else going on at Sinclair, the company that owns the Fox Sports regional sports networks and that they're talking about doing a debt restructuring. Now this is getting into some kind of some different financial things and some weird stuff there, but in a debt refinance restructuring, essentially what you're doing is you're getting your company to go to the people you owe money from trying to change how you do things, trying to change what you owe. Um, For the time being, Sinclair has been losing money on the RSNs. Uh, A lot of that is a function of, broadcast rights as well as how much they paid for the RSNs. But there's still issues there with it. And uh, an analyst referred to the RSNs as Sinclair's Achilles heel. Now, uh, some of these people speculate that like Sinclair's going to dump the RSNs. I don't see that as likely. Um, But they are going to have to figure out a way to both get back on more platforms um, because they haven't been on any dish stuff for a while. They need to be back on either Hulu or YouTube. I think YouTube announced that YouTube TV is up to 3 million subscribers now. 
when you're Hulu, I, I mean, the crazy thing about what's happening with Sinclair and these RSNs is Hulu has had this big advertising campaign. Hulu has live sports. Um, FUBU says they're all about sports, and yet none of them have these Fox RSNs. And if you're the RSNs, you've got to be concerned about that because those hardcore fans are going to find a way to watch their teams. There are people who do the streams that are not exactly legal, all that good stuff, um, which we don't endorse here or anything, but people do it. And if you're an RSN, you got to think, you got to think I've got to do the same thing the music industry did somehow. Cause if you remember, and maybe you're not as old as me, uh, there was a time and place where there were things like Napster and LimeWire, where you could just go download any song you wanted when the internet first started really doing that. And the music industry was freaking out because nobody was buying albums anymore. Well, the solution for the music industry has been to have all these different things like Spotify and YouTube music and Apple music and all that in that since people are paying something, they're paying for it. Now it's not the money they were getting, whereas it used to be paid $15 for a CD. Now you pay $15 and you have every song there is. But if you're the RSNs, you got to figure out a way around this. You just got to figure it out. So we'll see what they do. Um, I'm not sure what their plan is going forward on this, but if you're a Blue Jackets fan right now and you've got either YouTube TV or Hulu TV and you're like, Oh no, how am I going to watch games? Give yourself some time. Um, before you have to figure something out, because until the NHL even announces a start, date, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, if they're playing by Valentine's day, I'll be happy. My guess, what you'll see is say the NHL and the NBA, we've heard the NBA saying Christmas. If that happens, this is what I would say to you. If the NBA starts up in Christmas and by like mid January, those RSNs aren't signed up. And then the NHL says, Oh, we're going to start February 1st. Start looking around. Um, cause if they're not signing up, if they're not coming back on for the NBA, I don't think the NHL on top of it's going to force them into it. I think both sides will just be holding strong, but we'll address that as we get further into it. Uh, again, the plan is to keep doing shows all throughout this weird break here. Um, probably start seeing some more, you know, some different things going on with it here, but we're going to keep going on, keep you guys informed on what's going on and, and my opinions on what's happening. If, if anybody cares on those, but do want to thank you all for watching. Uh, and hey, have a great week out there. Oh, one other thing. It is Tuesday's election day here in the States. If you haven't voted, please go vote. If your state still does early voting on Monday, I'd recommend doing it. I have, we have no idea how busy or not busy the polls will be on Tuesday. Um, my guess is it'll be like every other day and every other year in election year, there'll be some polls where you can walk in and walk out and be done in 10 minutes. And there'll be some where you have an hour and a half, two hour wait. So I'd say get out there and do it. Uh, get out there soon. So good luck to everyone out there. Stay safe, stay healthy, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.